Good to be back to school? Yes. Yes? All right. Good answer. Amen. <laughs> Not really, huh? Yeah. So there's good and bad, isn't there? That's kind of that way with everything, isn't there? Look at them. Come on up, guys. Glad you're all here. Are any of you 10 years old? Wow! Lots of you are 10. I'm going to tell you a story about when I was 10 years old. Are you ready? All right. So when I was 10 years old, my dad was outside, and I was outside too, and my dad said he wanted me to do something, so he called me over to do it. I didn't want to do what my dad asked me to do, so I ran away. I ran exactly in the other direction. <laughs> you think that's funny, right? I know, I did too for a minute. And so, <laughs> so I started running the other way. And I was running as fast as I could. And, and as I looked behind me, I realized I was running faster than my dad. So I thought, this is working out pretty good. So I kept running and running and eventually my dad stopped and he called out and said, you'll have to come back. And he waited and I ran. And I ran and we had a lot of property and so I ran, I ran through the garden and I ran around the bushes and then I ran up the hill and by some trees and ducked under and I had a fort that I had built up there. And so I ran and I hid in my fort. And I was like, wow, that worked out pretty good. I didn't have to do what my dad asked me to do. And then I, I started to think about that a little bit. And I was there for two weeks. <laughs> At least it seemed like two weeks. I think it might have been more like 15 minutes or something. And I started to realize that this probably wasn't the smartest thing I could have done. As a matter of fact, it was pretty silly. I didn't think about it when I was running, but once I stopped, I thought, this... This probably isn't the best thing I should be doing. Can you imagine? Now, I'm not telling you you should run away from your parents, okay? I'm telling you that it's not a good idea to run away from your parents. So you can learn through me. But I was sitting there and I thought, I'm starting to get hungry. If I was going to run away, I should have run away after lunch instead of before. And I thought... I'm going to have to go home. My dad was right. So I started making my way back to the house. It took me a lot longer to get to the house than it took me to get away from the house. I'll tell you that much, because I was walking slowly. And I got back to the house and, and went inside. And my dad was there. And there was some discipline that was needed. But my dad was really glad that I came back. And my dad was really glad that I was ready to do the thing that he had asked me to do. There's a book in the Bible that talks about a man who ran away from God. Do you know what book that is? Jonah, right. And it's a book about a man who God came to him and said, Jonah, I need you to go over to Nineveh because there's a whole bunch of people over there who need to hear about me. And they're evil and wicked people. And Jonah thought, I don't, I don't like those people. I don't want to do that. So he got on a boat that would take him completely the other way. He ran away from God. And, and it tells us that he went into the boat and fell asleep. 
and thought, wow, I did it. I ran faster than God. I got away from him. I'm good. But there is a storm that came, and it was a big storm, tempestuous storm. That's a big word. It was a big storm. And so the, the sailors didn't know what to do, so the captain came down, and he said, Jonah, wake up. Wake up. Do you know what's going on? And Jonah said, yep, it's my fault. you got to throw me into the ocean. They're like, we can't do that. So they worked really hard to try to get the boat back, but they couldn't get the boat back. And, and so they said to God, they said, God, we're going to throw him over like you said, but don't hold us accountable. And so they took Jonah and they hurled him into the sea. And the storm stopped. Just like that. And the men were safe. But Jonah was drowning. He was going down, 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 down into the water. And he couldn't breathe. And, and he, he was going to die for sure. And all of a sudden, a big fish came along and whoop, scooped him up. God sent that fish. Can you imagine a fish big enough to swallow a man and, and, then, and then keep the man alive? Now, that's pretty cool, isn't it? But do you know that's not the important part about the book of Jonah? The important part about the book of Jonah is not so much that God sent a fish that was big enough to save him. It's that God wanted to save him. Even though Jonah had run away from God, God was still ready to save him and to show compassion on him and to forgive him when Jonah repented. And so Jonah repented and he was spit out of the fish and then God said, are you ready to go now? And he said, yeah. So they went to Nineveh. And he told the people of Nineveh, and they all repented. And so they all got to hear the good news that God wants to save you. So I want you to remember when you think about this account of Noah, number one, it's not good to run away. Not good to run away from your dad, and it's not good to run away from God. But secondly, God loves you so much that he wants to save you. But he wants to save you so that you'll go tell other people how he did that. All right? Cool. Thanks. You ready to go to your classes? Yeah. All right. Catch you later. Thanks for listening. Man, you guys did great. Didn't they do great? Man. Let's see if you all can do as good. Here we go. All right. So we're in the book of Jonah. I'm so excited about this. We're going to be in this book for about seven weeks now. And, and it's a, a, an amazing book. And um, it, it's so powerful. And what I'm going to be asking us to think about as we unpack this over the next seven weeks or so here is, do you, do you have a heart that reflects the heart of God? Does your heart reflect the heart of God? Do you have a compassion for others that, that God has? Is his heart displayed through you? And the second question is, what is your Nineveh? What is your Nineveh? As we look at this, this amazing book and, and we, we begin to look at it, one of the things we'll see is that this is a testimony of reluctance 
and the sovereignty of God. Now, we don't know who wrote the book of Jonah. Several people think Jonah wrote it, and some people think that maybe somebody wrote what Jonah told them. But no matter what, this is a testimony of, of a reluctant obedience. We talk here about how we're, we're here so that we can come to know Christ, so that we can make him known, and, and that as we know him, our, we're going to grow in our love for him, and our love for him is naturally going to draw us to obey. And so we see that. That, but we see in, in Jonah, there's this testimony he has that, that there was a reluctance to his obedience. But God is sovereign in the midst of our reluctance. And even as we are reluctant to obey, God is still sovereign in the midst of that. The key verse, as I see it in Jonah, is, is found in ch- chapter 2, verse 9, where it says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to to the Lord. That's the big idea, I think, of this book, and we'll unpack it in different ways over the next few weeks, but there's this unbelievable truth that, that salvation is God's to give. If you've experienced the salvation of God, it's his salvation that he's brought into your life, and he's trusted you with that, and, and, and so it becomes yours because he gives it to you, but it's his. It comes from him. And so as, as we look at that with, with Jonah, we're able to see that God is sovereign and gracious even amid re- reluctance. Even when there's reluctance, God is still sovereign and he's still gracious. Just like my dad was gracious with me when I ran away from him. I ran away from the Lord too. I felt the call to ministry when I was in high school, and I ran from it. I had other things that I wanted to do, and you know that, those of you who know my testimony. And then in my 40s, God renewed that call. The word of the Lord came to me a second time, if you will. And God moved in my heart in a mighty and powerful way, and I began to follow him wholeheartedly. Does that mean that now that was my Nineveh and now my running is done? As I've read this, as I've studied this, and as I've looked at it over the last few weeks preparing to bring it to us, I've come to realize that that Jonah overtly runs from God. Right out in the open, he runs from God. And I've done that myself, but many times, and as a matter of fact, most of the time, my running away from God is not done overtly. Yet at some level, I know my, my fleeing is just as real. The covert nature of my fleeing, the undercover nature of my fleeing, allows me to live as though I haven't turned away from the face of God. And, and it allows me to not think that I've moved from his presence, and it allows me to rest on the cushion while the storm rages all around me. But Jonah brings me face to face with the truth that if I'm not truly living in the grace of God, truly embracing the grace of God, and truly understanding the grace of God in my own life, I'm never going to be moved to share that grace with others. I'd like us to read the book together. I'm going to read it for us. It's on page 726 in your in your. Um, pew Bible there if you didn't bring one with you. It's page 726, but I want to read the whole book for us. Today is just an overview. Then the next six weeks we'll break it down. And so it's important for us to hear the entirety. 
Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account the evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. They said to him, tell us, on whose account has this evil come upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. The men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, Let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple." The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against the message I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. 
Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days' journey in breath, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was with you in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, oh Lord, please take my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry about the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being at night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? The book of Jonah The book of Jonah is read in every synagogue on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And it's it's read for the entire congregation and along with Micah chapter 7 verses 18 through 20. It's, It's this amazing and powerful account of a prophet. Now as we look at this letter and I don't know about you, but the truth is, as I read it, and maybe some of you have never read through the whole thing at one time before, but as I read through this book, I I, I come away with more questions than answers. As a matter of fact, it ends on a cliffhanger, doesn't it? It's like, where's the rest of the story? You know, it's like, what what are we going to Micah for? We're not done with Jonah, you know? I mean, does it feel like that to you, or is it just me? 
three others. Okay, good. So as we think about that, and as we're, we're going to look at this, this, these next few weeks, I'm really excited to, to wrestle through some of these things. Now, the truth is, if we look at the genre of this book, what is the form of it? It's, it's, it's a didactic satire. And doesn't that clear things up for us, right? It's didactic in that it's meant to instruct. Okay, there's the questions that are in there, almost a diatribe in nature. And so it's this, this idea where it's meant to instruct, but it's also a satire. And it's a satire in that it shows the, the, the human folly. It exposes human folly. And just because it's a satire doesn't make it fiction, Okay, probably more than any other book, this book gets attacked as there's no way there could be a fish. That's not the big idea of this account. As I told the kids, and you were all listening in, that's not the big, that's not the big miracle of this book. It's a satire because it shows human folly, and actually it's laughable to see the way that God, that that God enters into Jonah's life and Jonah runs. It's, it's laughable. When I, when I started talking about running away from my dad, how many of you thought that was funny? Right? Six of you, okay. Well, that was... But we all knew that that 10-year-old boy was going to have to come home. I can't run away from my dad forever. So we enter into this account. As we do that, I want to give you some background, and then we're going to talk about three big points, and then we'll put the rest aside for the next six weeks. So the timeline here, we understand that God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and he brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and, 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 and he was their king, and they said, we want a king like the other nations, and so Saul came to be king, and then David, and then Solomon. And so under Solomon and David, the nation of Israel was at its zenith. It was, it was this amazing nation, and, and then Solomon died, and and the nation went to Rehoboam, his son, and Rehoboam had every opportunity to continue building on what his father had done, but instead listened to some advice that wasn't all that great. And as he did that, Jeroboam was able to step in and, and, and take control of the 10 northern tribes. And so the 10 northern tribes became Israel, and the southern kingdom was that of Judah, two tribes. And, and so the kings of Judah, by and large, were good kings, some did even evil, but, but there were good and evil kings, but the, the kingdom of Israel, all the kings for the most part were, were totally wicked and evil and did evil in the sight of the Lord, it tells us. And so all along, God anointed prophets to go into, this, into the northern kingdom, Elijah and Elisha, and then came Jonah. And, and Jonah came under the reign of Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was right here at this time when Assyria was starting to take power, but they hadn't yet become a world power. But there was this nation to the north, Assyria, that were wicked and people, and they were evil, and they were about as mean as you could get. And eventually, that Assyrian uh, nation or empire in 722 would take Israel and would overcome Israel as had been prophesied. The southern kingdom will remain until 586 when it falls under Babylon. 
Now the exciting thing as we look at this timeline as these nations divide is to realize in our present day right now, God is calling all of these tribes back together into the land of Israel and it's happening right as we speak and so that's exciting. But So that's where Jonah was, was um, giving his prophecy and it's when he was uh, told to go to Nineveh. Now Syria at that point in time had a, had a big... Uh, stretch in here, but then under Jeroboam, uh, there was some, next map please, Brenda, under Jeroboam, there was an expansion of the kingdom of Israel. Even in Jeroboam II this is, so even under Jeroboam II, even though the people were not repenting and were doing wickedness, God was relenting, we'll look at more of that next week, and giving more land to the nation of Israel. And so, Jonah is prophesying here at a time of relative comfort within the nation. And, and then uh, and the next map shows us that, that this is the Assyrian Empire at the time of, of Jonah. And he heads from where he had been prophesying, heads to Joppa. Instead of going to Nineveh, heads to Tarshish, which is about as far away as you can get from where God is calling him to go. The Assyrian Empire at that time is an empire to the north. Eventually, this empire will go all the way and come all the way down into Egypt. So... So this is the time when Jonah is, is called to go into this nation. And what we see, first of all, as we take an overview look of this amazing book, is that God has a miraculous plan. We see that. God has a miraculous, redemptive plan. And that's what Scripture shows us. But specifically, as we look at the book of Jonah, God has a miraculous, redemptive plan that includes not only the nation of Israel, but all the nations of the world. God has a heart of compassion for all people. And it's amazing to see that. And, 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 and that's what really comes to light in this book of Jonah. Now, in Matthew, there's verses that talk about scribes and Pharisees that come to Jesus and answer him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So there's this sign of Jonah. And, and so we see that Jesus is saying that Jonah was a type of Christ. He was portraying who Christ would be when Christ came. And, and through this, Jesus is letting us know that this miraculous redemptive plan that God has is that he intends to bring life out of death. God intends to bring life out of death. So just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be in the, the heart of the earth. And so as Jesus dies, he makes life possible. And as Jonah is hurled into the sea, presumably to his death, the sea calms so that life, if you will, could come to those on the boat. And as he goes into the belly of the fish and turns to repentance, it's his, it's his death to himself through repentance that allows him to come from the fish and take the message of life to the city of Nineveh. 
So we see that God has this amazing, miraculous, redemptive plan. And when, when we think about Jonah, we think about all the different themes and things that are in there and the things that can be understood. And, and when the Jewish people read this in the synagogue, yes, they're celebrating redemption. Yes, they're celebrating the forgiveness of God. Yes, those things are all important. But, but what it brings out more than anything is that we must not begrudge people the message of God's salvation. Okay, God has a miraculous redemptive plan, and as he comes to tell Jonah, I need you to go to the most wicked people on earth, and it may very well be that he had seen that these would be the people who would overtake him. I want you to go to the most wicked, terrible people on earth, and I want you to tell them about my salvation. And the lesson of Jonah is that we do not have the right to grudge that, to begrudge that message to any person. And we just, we just remembered 9-11. Do you remember where you were that morning, if you were alive? Do, do you remember that morning as it was happening? Do you remember pa- praying for the people in the tower? Do you, do you remember praying for, for the EMTs, for the people on the airplane, for the, the government to make wise decisions? Do you remember praying for the terrorists? That morning? Not so much. Who, who are the wicked and terrible people in your life? Okay, well, then this lesson is for you, my dear friend, and for all of us. Because that wickedness, right, that we look at, and, and so often what we want to do is we want to hold back the message from those people when it's exactly that message that they need. The next thing we see in the book of Jonah is that we're part of God's plan Throughout this whole book, we're going to see that God uses all things for his good, and he's, he's weaving these things all together to be part of his plan. The captain on the boat, the boat itself, the fare that was paid, all of these things are all part of God's plan, and we'll unpack that. And the final thing we'll see as we go in is that God's sovereign plan will not be thwarted. He has a plan. It's a miraculous, redemptive plan. And that plan that God has cannot be thwarted by those he's created. So what? Does your heart really reflect the heart of God? Are you intimately aware of the grace of God in your life so much so that you're living in that grace moment by moment and you can't help to express it? We were on our way home from our trip and we were on a layover in Toronto. <clears throat> and there was a man who went over into the corner and put his mat down and kneeled down and prayed. And Karen said to me, do you think you should talk to him about Jesus? Jesus. 
I didn't. See, this is the place where I'm supposed to tell you that I shared and he accepted, you know, that's, that's what I'm supposed to be telling you. I, I didn't talk to him. Well, I was tired. There's some jet lag going on. I was a little scared. You want to know the truth? I didn't care about him. I didn't care whether he knew the truth about Jesus. When you peel everything back, that's what it is. And I'm proud to tell you this. Well, listen, we can, we can laugh at Jonah, and it's presented in such a way that we do that, but, but the thing is, is I, I'm stuck with the fact that that's who I am. And it shows itself in my life. And it's when I step away from the grace of God overwhelming me that I forget how important that grace is for everybody else. So as we look at this amazing book of Jonah, I'm praying what it will do in us is it will, in us, is it awaken in us again the heart of God the heart of compassion that God has to work his miracle plan of redemption in the world. And it will allow us the places to see the places where we are covertly running from him. God, I pray that would happen according to your grace and your mercy and your goodness and your kindness and your love. God, show us those places. Thank you for forgiving me, Lord. I pray for that man that you pointed out to me. I pray I might not have been his only chance. I pray for all the people we've walked by. Help us see the folly in that, Lord. Help us see the places where we've thought that your salvation was for us and not for others. Awaken in us your passion. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.